Praise the Lord, and welcome to another session of IHAP Podcast. With me, your host, Reverend Mario A. Najera. To all those that are listening in for the first time, and for all those that are returning back, thank you for joining in. I am honored to have with me today First Lady of New Beginnings Church in Columbus, Ohio, Sister Teresa Ortega. We are here today to testify of the goodness and mercies of God, and no matter where you find yourself in your life's journey, that Jesus loves you, Jesus still saves, and that he's still doing works within his people. So listen as we hear what God has done in the life of my guest today. Sister Ortega, praise the Lord, and welcome to IHOP Podcast, and thank you so much for accepting this invitation. Amen. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, sister. And as always, my prayer for this conversation that we're going to have today is that the words that we speak will inject faith in the hearts and in the minds of those that are listening today in Jesus' name. So, um, Sister Teresa, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person, um, but I've had had an opportunity to actually have Pastor Ortega on one of my early podcast sessions. Yes. Yes. And it was such a blessing to have him on. The feedback that I got, you know, of the testimony, a little part of what my guests share, uh, because I know there's a whole spectrum. There's a whole picture of, you know, going into a testimony. But what he has shared really impacted um, the listeners' lives. And and this is what it's about, uh, you know, trying to uh, inject faith into other people's lives, and, and especially people that are believers and people that are considering, you know, following Christ. Hopefully this will kind of give them that, that extra motivation that they need. Um, yeah. But again, what I would like to do is just get to dive in again into maybe pieces or seasons of your testimony uh, and how God kind of found you, where that was at you know, before your personal relationship with Christ. So where would you say that would be, Sister Teresa? Where would you say you found yourself in your life before your own experience with even church or your own personal relationship with Christ? Amen. So my parents came to the Lord when I was, I want to say, eight or nine. Um, We ran into what we thought was an old high school friend of my dad's at a grocery store, and he was a pastor. Um, so it's Pastor Jesse Guerra. And I remember the day we saw him at the grocery store. And he invited us to his house and we went. And then the next day was a Sunday and he invited us to church as well. So um, my mom, the minute she walked in, she was completely um, healed of things we didn't know she had and it was emotional and so after that I mean my parents just were steadily uh, members I did not accept Christ for several years after that Um, no particular reason Mm. other than I didn't want to (laughs) (laughs) sounds awful but I'm being honest yeah yeah no (laughs) I I recall you know my, my mom trying to get us to go to church and I would beg and plead please you know, let me stay home. I'll do laundry. You know, I was <laughs> I was twelve or thirteen years old. But yeah, just you know, yeah, I don't believe we offend God when we say that because He knows our hearts and He knows our right. yeah our journey ultimately. Um, but ultimately, you, you mentioned it's just at that time it was just something you know that that wasn't you know in your life. But what was that experience like though when you finally did you know give your life to Christ? Where, what was that experience like? Amen. For you? So I was in. Um My parents still live in the same home where we grew up. Mm -hmm. And for many years, basically throughout our preteen and teen years, it was a very rough 
very rough area to live in. Mm. And I always joke that that's what prepared me for ministry was <laughs> that I wasn't scared to walk these streets. I wasn't scared to, you know, you do learn to look over your shoulder. And um, so I was um, very hardened. Um, my, I'm the second of four children. Yeah. My brother that is exactly one year younger than me has muscular dystrophy. And I'm saying that because um, my mom had basically given up. Um, she would never have verbalized it, um, but she was at a breaking point with me particularly. Mm. And um, every summer, our church would sponsor a youth and it was always a raffle. And whoever um, was pulled, whoever's name was pulled from the raffle, the church would sponsor their youth camp. Mm. And um, I remember thinking, oh, God, if you're up there, please don't let them pull my name. I don't want to go to camp. I had never been to a youth camp. I just knew I wouldn't fit in. And I knew I didn't want to be in church for five days straight. Mm. That was when youth camp lasted. Yeah. It felt like an eternity. <laughs> but um, so they pulled my brother's name and uh, my brother was super excited. However, having muscular dystrophy, mm. he was not able to attend because he would have needed um, help uh, with the hills and going up and down. And, and he had just had surgery. So, um, the church was like, well, you know, Teresa can go. And I remember thinking my sister would love to go, you know, and my mom was like, nope, you're going. So I went to youth camp and the first few days were interesting. I should probably backtrack to say my mom gave me money unsupervised, sent me to the store because I didn't have any skirts. And she told me, um, you're in charge of buying your clothes for camp. And so I went and I bought everything you don't take to camp and I laid it out on the bed and I said, you know, I'm in my mind. I said, I'm smarter than my mom. She will not send me to camp after she sees this close. Mm. And so she walks in and she's always been a woman of prayer and I praise God for that. And um, she walked in and she barely glanced at the clothes and she was like, okay. And then I said, you're not going to say anything. You're not she goes, no, I'm not going to camp. You're the one that's going to go. You're the one that's going to be embarrassed. And she wasn't wrong. But I'm grateful for the wise and prayer-filled counselors and camp uh, ministry that they had there because um, never was anything mentioned as mm. far as what I wore. And on the last night of camp, um, Brother um, Bishop Victor Prado was actually mm. a guest speaker, and he gave a testimony of his brother. And um, it's actually his testimony that um, caused me to repent in that moment. And that was the moment I gave my life, my heart to God. Wow. So that it youth count. Praise God. You know, just those circumstances that the Lord, you know, allowed in your life, you know, you're going to go to youth camp. So you didn't win, but you still got to go. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's just an awesome experience. And yeah, and, and that's one of the purposes also for this podcast, Sister Teresa. You mentioned you heard a testimony. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes it's through a song somebody hears and it touches their life. It's a scripture mm -hmm. somebody read and it affected them. It's a preaching they heard. But also as Christians, you know, we have that ability, you know, because some people say, well, I may not be a, a missionary or a preacher or a teacher, but very simply just sharing what God has done in one's life can can mm -hmm. just give strength 
and, and in, you know, just pull someone or push someone towards, you know, uh, looking for something that this great God that did, does something for us can also do for them for sure. So, Amen. And you see these men of God and you think they're, their life is perfect. There's no way yeah. they've ever struggled or, you know, that they've ever had experienced loss. And I felt like his transparency was really what um, mm. got to my heart. Yeah. So. No, that's very true. I mean, from those of us that came from sleeping under the bleachers all the way to those that had the worst experience in life before we found Christ. I mean, it's just as important. The fact that you Amen. find, yeah, the, the fact that you find Christ. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, growing up in the in the neighborhood that you kind of grew up in, it kind of prepared you, you know, to be uh, the toughness for ministry. Um I kind of read something uh, that you posted also just recently, but it had it had to do about you know being called a ministry also. Uh, but what was that experience like for you, Sister Ortega? You know, be you know, I, I kind of read you know being a being part of ministry or minister's wife wasn't something you were kind of looking for, if I'm not correct. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But what was that like for you then? So I. Um, we had amazing pastors, Pastor. Um, my God, I was going to say his son's name, <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Jesse Guerra and Sister Ernestine Guerra. Mm. Um, and their kids were my age, their two youngest daughters. Mm -hmm. So I grew up very close with Abby and Sandra. And I was always at their house, always at their house. And um, I remember I used to, they used to live in a parsonage where the house is right behind the parking lot. Mm. So their house was a revolving door. And then um, not just that, just I would see how people would hold them and their kids in a different, um, I don't want to say words incorrectly, but, you know, they would have unrealistic expectations mm. of their kids and of, you know, that they should just give, 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 give all the time. And yeah. I remember thinking, I won't ever be a member like that, but I will also never have members. So I remember I used to tell um, Sister Gara all the time, all the time. And she would just laugh and she would never say anything to me. And then um, I don't re I don't remember what it was that happened. And I was really upset with how somebody treated them. Mm. And the Lord doesn't always guard the door of my lips. Sometimes I think he looks away to bless someone else and, you know, stuff comes out. So I said something to someone and she told me, Miha, I appreciate you and I love you for doing that. But God, God allows all this to happen. And I remember thinking, see, right there is why I'll never be in ministry. I never want to be a minister's wife. And she was, was the first time she ever said anything back to me. She said, well, good, because God's calling you to be a pastor's wife. And I was like, nope. And I just laughed. And when my husband and I got married, he wasn't even a deacon. So um, when Pastor Sam called him that he wanted to talk to him about setting him aside and stuff, I remember I panicked and I was like, oh, God, no, no, no. You know, but I think because I couldn't deny the calling that was on my husband mm. either. And I remember hearing a sermon from... Um, Jeff Arnold, and he said, and it was called, um, God, I can't remember the name of the sermon, but it was dedicated to the pastor's wives. And it said, have you ever looked on a man and thought, wow, the calling on him is so strong. And then he says, and then you meet his wife. I never wanted to be wow. that part of a story for my husband, you know, and I knew my own faults. 
And so I wrestled with God for a long time. And um, it wasn't until I completely surrendered that mm-hmm. I realized, you know, I can fight. My mom used to tell us, um, I'm going to say it in Spanish because she speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. She would say, quieras o no quieras, se va a hacer la voluntad de Dios, mm-hmm. right? So whether you want it or not, God's will will be done. Yeah. And I remember um, telling my husband, okay, I'm, I'm afraid, but I won't hold you back. And the Lord told me, you think you're the first tough cookie I've had? <laughs> I, I look for you guys. I, I created you before the foundations of the earth. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to make you this way. So, you know, I have to die to myself daily. Yeah. You know, like how, how the apostle said, you don't think I know who I am? I die to him daily. Mm-hmm. You know, and I joke with my kids. I'm like, some days I don't die to her. You know, so I'm sorry. You guys get the front end of that. <laughs> but Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, Sister Teresa. Yeah, I, you know, when I when I met my wife, um, it's it's very interesting. Kind of similar, um, her feelings were kind of similar, in the sense that we met at a youth camp, and oh, okay. um, and we were talking for a while, and then, uh, you know, I I forgot how it came up, but I, I think it was one day she saw me at a service or something happened, but they called me up to the platform, and she was there, and she goes, "You're a minister." I was like. You didn't know that? I go, she goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I could have sworn we talked about, you know, something. She's all, no, no. And, and I'm like, well, wh- you know, why why are you surprised that I'm a minister? She goes, because you don't act like one. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, does that, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And she goes, no, no, no. She goes, I see you talking. Like, sometimes some ministers, you know, have a way about the way they carry themselves, I guess. And I guess that was her experience, you know, with ministry. Right. You know, Yeah, like being served, in other words, instead of right, serving, right. maybe. Yeah. And then she goes, so that's a come I never thought you were a minister. Like, well, I go, I am. Does that change anything? She's all, um, I don't think so, but I got to keep praying about it. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Uh, But I think you're right, uh, because I I really thank God that, you know, as far as for my ministry is concerned, I've never had to not be able to preach something because I, you know, I don't have to think in the back of my mind, well, wait a minute, my wife, you know, or my fam, or, you know, I just praise God that that's kind of the heart that she has, you know, to be able Mm -hmm. to serve for sure. Um, I know, I know this is something, Sister Teresa, that I didn't, you know, kind of go over with you, but uh, in the questionnaire, but what would you say for a young woman that kind of is considering ministry or life in ministry? I know it's always a question they pose to, you know, preachers and ministers, but what, what's the aspect for a servant of God that, that, that's, you know, a sister in Christ? What would you say to them? Oh, brother, you're going to get my husband in trouble. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, my husband always tells me, don't use me as an excuse if you want to speak your heart. Always remain. Mm. Remember that you're an ambassador of Christ, not an ambassador of me. Mm. So I appreciate that yeah. he's always said that. But I remember um, I, when we first got married, I told him, you know, I can't. St- you know what I hate? And I did use that word hearing preachers say is, you know, you young man, you're called to missions and you young man, you're going to be a pastor Mm -hmm. and you, you're going to be this. And ladies, you're going to be a minister's wife. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure we could do more than that. You know? So what I say to that is the Lord created women to be a helpmate, yes, mm-hmm. but not all women have husbands. Mm-hmm. And so are they just supposed to, what is their purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that for many, many 
years, if not decades, we've lost strong women that can make eternal changes and impact eternity, Mm -hmm. but they have been silenced um, because they did not, you know, fit whatever stereotype people think they should fit. Mm -hmm. And um, a a phrase I've been told many times is you were born before your time. And I remember somebody told me that just recently, actually. Mm. And my rebuttal to that was, you know, what's funny is that before the foundations of the earth, he knew me. Mm -hmm. And in my mother's womb, he called me. So are you saying that God is a liar? Mm. Um, I I don't agree with that. So I would say to these women, know your word. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people think that bravery is, you know, breaking down walls. Bravery is obedience. Mm. Bravery is saying, you know what, Lord, I submit to to my, my governing authorities, but I submit to you, whatever your calling is on my life, I'm going to do it. Will I be accepted everywhere? Absolutely mm. not. Mm. And guess what? Before they hated you, they hated me. Mm. So I'm all for women's ministry. Sure. I'm all for it. And the so bo- we've always had a women's camp here in our church and oh. in our region. And I told my husband, um, my poor husband. Honestly, brother, if you don't pray for him, you need to start. Just consistently keep him in your prayers. <laughs> oh, he's such an awesome man from, you know, that I get to talk with him. He is. He is. I love him. I tell him I'm keeping him. Okay. Um, we, I told him when we started doing camps, I was like, Mijo, I'm asking you to please not invite a male preacher because a man is an amazing uh, mm. speaker, but these women connect better with women. Mm. And for many years, we was we only had one male preacher, and it was him. And it mm. was because the sister that was coming couldn't come. Mm. So not only do I believe in women's ministry, yeah. I believe women are called. I believe I believe that women can lead worship. Mm. I, be, I have been in sermons and in services that the power of God is tangible. Mm-hmm. And it's a little sister with her little veil on. Mm. And you know what? Because the Lord can use anyone, especially if you are obedient. Yes. Yeah. And, and the Bible backs that up. You have a lot of women in, in our biblical, in our Bible that we read, you know, Amen. great women that Amen. stepped up and took, you know, place for sure in ministry. So for sure. Mm. Um, so sister Ortega, what would you say maybe a time, you know, in ministry, once you were there and, 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 you know, in, in your journey so far in ministry, what would you say would be a time that you felt the greatest doubt or maybe distance from God? You know, you know, the calling was there, you know, you know, you were backing up, you know, Pastor Ortega, Pastor Ortega's backing you up, you know, but what, what were some circumstances you might've felt like, wow, was maybe this the right, you know, journey for us or, or any, anything like that in your service so far? Well, I would love to narrow it down to just one, mm-hmm. um, but Um, I have always been very transparent with Mm -hmm. my walk with God and many times um, it's been more than once where I feel like, God, you know, we, we were almost a hundred percent that it was you Mm -hmm. that told us to do this, you know, and honestly, our very first pastorate was, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord, um, spoke to us many times through our kids, through them being sick, through them, you know, um, I always joke that my middle child made me a, a woman of prayer because he was 
um, he was prophesied. And then they told me he was not going to make it in the womb. And, you know, I hear these women saying, you know, oh, I grab onto the altar and I say, God, you know, you're so good. And that's just a small example of how I interact with God. When they told me he was going to die in the womb, I remember mm. I got in my car and I was like, I didn't ask you for him. Mm. You prophesied him. And what you said you do, you do. You are not a man. So that was one of probably the most uh, hardest times. Mm -hmm. But as far as our walk and our calling being questioned was our first pastorate. And, oh, my God, I told my husband, um, were they baptized in water or vinegar? Because, Mm. wow, it was unreal unreal and um there was a small portion of them that were just awful but you know it just takes one Mm. and we went in with our hearts willing to serve and we were you know we we brought we never left our kids we homeschooled our kids Mm -hmm. um we always had our kids with us always and um but that was the benefit of them not speaking Spanish mm. is that they wouldn't understand some of the comments that were made um, to our faces. They weren't even like discreet. They mm. wouldn't try to hide their distaste for us. We did not know that, you know, there was a lot of backstory to why they mm. didn't like us. And we found out later it wasn't us that they didn't like. It's just that they, they didn't like authority, which mm. is fine. But the Lord had us there for, you know, a very small amount of time, but it left a lasting impression um, where I remember thinking I was, we were always faithful to our pastors. We were always obedient. We were always serving and no, never came out of our lips. If they told us be here two hours early with your infant and your toddler, and you're going to serve in this way, we were doing it. Mm -hmm. We would always do it. And then to come to a church where um, they could care less whether you were there or not. And they were just awful. I think that that was probably one of the hardest times, Mm. um, in our ministry. I didn't doubt that God called us into Mm -hmm. ministry. I, but I, I did think, you know, I remember saying, if this is how you treat the people that obey you, how do you treat the people (laughs) that don't obey you? You know, and, you know, it was hard. We definitely had to minister to each other Mm. often, um, it definitely strengthened our marriage as as awful as that sound was the wounds were so real and so raw that um, that's when my husband actually became my pastor because mm-hmm. before that he was my husband mm-hmm. and and um, the father to our precious babies and he became my pastor during that season and I'm I never thought I would say that I was that I'm grateful that we went through mm-hmm. that. But I was. I'm more grateful that it, it only lasted two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's so great. Uh, and I love that phrase, you know, you ministered to each other. That, that's just an awesome, you know, way to look at a relationship or relationship goals. I think, you know, for anyone out yeah. there that's listening and, and, you know, was thinking or considering, you know, will this person help minister me, you know, in my time Amen. of yeah doubts or needs? Because, yeah, otherwise, yeah. 
I mean, it's yeah. it's hard enough being in the ministry, but even just to be a, a servant, you know, whatever situation you're 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 facing yourself in. But praise God, praise God that you're you're at where you found yourself now, you know, and, and obviously that had to do with the you know God moving you and and you and Pastor Ortega to where you're at now and and you know in where your church is at. Um, yeah. But kind of talking about that uh, church, sister, how is uh, Ortega? How has the COVID nineteen virus? Uh, either touch it or affected your life or, or your church life? How has that been going for you guys there? Well, um, it had, I feel like it's, it's across the board kind of the same mm. um, nationwide, internationally, every religion has been affected. Mm. Um, not just ours because um, so our daughter actually had it in March. She had COVID and um, we didn't publicize it for the mm-hmm. stigma that goes with it, mm-hmm. but she did have it. And we thank God it wasn't as severe as some cases, wow. um, but she did have it. She did. Um, she quarantined in her room mm-hmm. um, and um, we were just able to, because the church was shut down, mm-hmm. we were able to um, keep her there and not cross contaminate with anyone else. Mm-hmm. No one else um became ill um we were closed for several weeks i'd be lying if i could tell you exactly how many because i don't remember Mm -hmm. it feels like it was a little over two months Mm -hmm. Um, but when we reopened we did not open at full capacity Um, my husband opened with two services we normally just have one and it was just to kind of keep the distance and we know he tapered off some benches and Mm -hmm. initially um some sundays um there was maybe a couple of families, other Sundays, it was less. And then some Sundays it was more, but some have not even returned altogether. And then um, being the meek and quiet spirit that I am, I'm like, you know, what's hilarious to me is that you guys are scared to come to church, but I see you guys everywhere else. Mm. You know, you're traveling, you're going here, going there. And that's fine. You know, but my thing is I always tell my kids, don't break a commandment mm. uh, for something so minimal. Just say, you know what? I'm, I'm weak or be honest. So we know, we already know how to pray for you, but I think what kind of has, I don't want to say a shocker, but a little bit like revealing is people that visually before this happened, looked like they were strong. Mm. And then you see that, some of them are the ones that are struggling the most to yeah. come back to the house of worship or to reignite, yeah. you know, what, what looked like was there before the shutdown. Yeah. And our state was the first state to shut down and yeah. we were gung ho. We were, you know, a hundred percent on board. And um, so when we made the, uh, the move to reopen, I think that people were scared, but now mm-hmm. we are seeing more and more. We're actually still seeing a lot of visitors. Um, we are, my husband's giving Bible studies right now. Mm-hmm. So God willing, we'll have baptisms at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's across the board the same. We have not opened our children's ministry mm-hmm. ministry because um Sadly, a lot of our teachers are not able to return mm. or they don't feel safe to return. Mm. And 
I mean, it's just across the board. I feel the same. Yeah, we, we've been opening at um, minimal capacity here in First Tucson also. And obviously keep trying to keep our social distancing, you know, wearing masks, you know, inside the church. And then there's underlining conditions for some members. But mm-hmm. um, I remember speaking to um, actually uh, one of the uh, previous podcasts that I had uh, with uh, uh, Brother Aaron. Um, my mind always goes blank when I'm trying to think of people's name on the spot. Uh, Brother Aaron, and um, he's a minister in California, and he was saying that, um, you know, now in this time of COVID, it's going to be really where it's going to let you know where you stand in your relationship with Christ because you don't have someone over you because you don't have that fellowship on Wednesdays or, or whenever midweek services are or Sundays. Mm-hmm. So right now, yeah, it's really going to let you know your place and, and kind of where you're at you're in your relationship mm-hmm. with Christ. So. Yeah, I think it's going to help us determine a lot of who we thought we are or were or are in our relationship with Christ for sure. Yeah. Amen. Uh, But yeah, like you mentioned, sister, all we can do is continue to pray and and see the outlook for this, you know, for this virus, this whole situation. Um, But now, you know, we're almost towards the end of the year, you know, concluding uh, in the middle of October. We got about two more months left for 2020, uh, 2021, you know, coming in. Uh, Lord willing, in January. But what what do you feel the outlook is for your ministry or for yourself there in 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 where you're at, sister, for twenty the rest of twenty twenty and for twenty twenty one? Well, I joked with my husband um, when the year started because I was like, please do not jump on the twenty twenty perfect vision <laughs> um, train because I said twenty twenty is actually not perfect vision, um, and I think because I. I, um, we had just gone to the eye doctor and I uh-huh. mentioned to the doctor that, um, cause he told me you still have 2020 vision. And I said, I love that you say that even though we both know it's not perfect vision. He goes, no, 2020 is not perfect vision. Um, so I think that it breaks my heart if I'm a hundred percent honest with you to see so many, um, people falling on the wayside purposely, mm. not because they're not being cared for or looked or sought after, yeah. Um, but because they are willingly um, doing that to themselves. It's almost like now is the time to put the blood of the lamb on your door. Mm. And you're, I mean, if you don't, if you do not open your eyes spiritually, open your eyes in the flesh and see what's going on around you. I mean, they, they are not hiding their distaste for Christianity. Mm. They're not hiding it. They're not, you know, it's, it's shocking to see so many members and I'm not just talking locally. I mean, in general where they just seem so cold and callous Mm. and their eyes focused on the white house and not on the cross. And at the end of the day, I tell my kids at the end of the day, it is, I don't want to use the word scary, but it's concerning Mm -hmm. that we can get caught up in that, in that, momentary discussion where whoever you know has um the white house because at the end of the day it will be whoever god says he holds the hearts of the king in his hand Mm -hmm. so i'm not worried i'm more worried about where i'm going to lead my kids Mm -hmm. i don't want more political conversations happening at my table that are not going to lead them to the feet of jesus Mm -hmm. you know our pastor pastor sam valverde used to say there's so many people that are like the soldiers at the at the foot of the cross, so close to Christ, but so far from salvation. Wow. You know, I don't want to bring my children to church, but not to salvation. And 
I don't care which political party they belong to, mm -hmm. as long as they are covered in the blood of the lamb. And I speak this way to my members and to our church family. And, and it just breaks my heart. If I'm being a hundred percent honest with you mm -hmm. to see um, the divide, not just politically, but because of the political mm -hmm. divide, it affects them serving God. And I just, I just can't help but think like, do you, and I have said it because my husband, when I tell you he has to pray for me, you have no idea how much he has to pray for me. <laughs> like when I hear people talk politically and get so worked up that it affects their membership. And I don't mean with us because we've always guarded ourselves with that. Yeah. But I mean, in general, how they speak so politically that it affects their walk with Christ. Then I just think like, don't you read your word? And that is a weapon being formed against you. And you are literally falling for it mm. and it's such a minimal attack a political attack is so minimal to eternity mm. you know yeah. but at the end of the day all we can do is um, reflect christ when my kids leave i have two uh, young adults and both of them drive they both have their own cars and whenever they leave i'm like bye i love you reflect christ and um, my son's like you always say that i'm like well i always want you to reflect mm. christ and then he's like Okay, mom. I know he wants to say something to me, but he never does. I think he wants to live a long life. So smart. <laughs> oh no! I, and especially in the—I mean, in any time, really. But uh, right. you know, there's a pandemic going on. You know, there's rules being set. With however you, your feelings are personally about, you know, mask mandates or whatever else is going mm -hmm. on. But, you know, as Christians, I do believe that, you know, sometimes we do get to pick up a banner or, you know, stand up for what we believe in. But at the same time, ultimately, the Word of God asks us to, like you mentioned earlier, obedience, you know, obedience mm -hmm. to our leaders and however you feel about whatever is just being, you know, being in obedience. Amen. Yeah. And, and that's very Amen. true. And reflecting Christ in these times, for sure. again, any time, but especially in these times, you know, be that yeah. light. You know, right now in this world, be the salt of the world? Definitely, definitely. I was just telling my daughter last night, um, I don't know what we were, how we started talking about this, but um, I was telling her how, how, the, how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how everybody says, oh, you know, there was a, you know, the scripture says, you know, that, that they saw a fourth, a fourth person mm -hmm. in there. I said, the three that were in the fire, there is no evidence that they themselves saw the fourth one in the fire. Mm -hmm. But the people on the outside, their accusers mm -hmm. were the ones that saw the fourth one in the fire. I said, so wow. when you stand accused, you have to know that if the Lord is allowing you to be in the furnace of affliction is because he's refining you and you're not alone. And it may not be for you to see with your own eyes yes. that God is with you. But it's for everyone else's benefit to know that, yes, I'm in the fire, but you know what? I'm still standing. I'm still walking. And I did not bow to Pharaoh. Mm. I did not bow to a statue, to an idol, to I did not lose my salvation. You know, I talked to a friend of mine about the mask mandate. Mm. And then she said, you know, I'm going to obey it because they're not asking me to sin. They're asking me to just cover my nose mm. and mouth. She said, do I believe it? No, yeah. but I'm going to obey because they're not asking me to sin. Mm. And I said, you know what? That's such a positive way to look at this whole yeah. situation. And I appreciated that. She worded it that way. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Awesome words. I'm going to borrow that from you, yeah. sister, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, sister, if you could thank God for any one person, I know there's probably a line of people that, you know, helped you in your faith, uh, journey of faith so far, but one person in particular that you could thank God for, who would it be and why? Oh, God, I wish I could just thank one person. <laughs> um, well, I had amazing parents. I have mm-hmm. amazing parents. Praise yeah. God, they're still with us. Um, I think I would probably, I feel like, um, my pastor's wife, my uh, my pastor's wife, when I, I actually just spoke to her sister, Ernestine Gare, I spoke to her yesterday, mm. um, because I felt like I always, um, because she let me in her home even before I was baptized mm-hmm. or before I was a member, and I was clearly a struggling youth. Um, she never told me, um, Teresa, you have to wear a skirt when you come to my house. She never told me, um, you have to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And personally, I think that made, I didn't realize I loved her so much when I was a youth because, um, because I guess I saw her as a mom, but every time I was over, she would, you know, I always joked that she would throw seeds throw seeds at me, you know, the Mm -hmm. scriptures. And she would always say things that would build me up and then um, correct me at the the same time, but in a way that I would receive it lovingly because it was never a correction like that. It was always very simple, very, you know what, Teresa, I love you. And I'm going to tell you this. And then she would tell me, and then she would say, but you know what? I know that God is doing a work in you. Mm. And we would move on. We wouldn't harp. And she wouldn't even give me a chance to rebuttal. She wouldn't even let me like present my case. Mm. Um, and this is before I would memorize the word of God. This is before I realized that your fruits will show you mm-hmm. out, you know. So I didn't have to present it because I was bearing fruit of rebellion. Mm. And I always, um, when I think of her, I always um, think of the parable, how the weeds grow with the wheat, you mm. know. And I, I know that I was a weed and I could have taken over the garden of her life. I always refer to my kids as the flowers in my garden. And I always, um, I don't even know where I picked up that phrase. So I'd be lying if I could quote it correctly, <laughs> but I've just always said that um, about my kids when mm. they were younger. And I'm grateful for the people that have looked past the broken fence or even past the weeds that I've allowed to grow sometimes, mm. you know, because no parent is perfect and neither yeah. are children. But because she was such a woman of prayer, I believe that she knew that whenever the weeds were going to be separated from the wheat, that I would not be separated because she prayed and I would never take over. My my rebellion would not, I don't want to say fall on them, but it would not affect them because Mm -hmm. I feel like because she was such a strong woman of prayer Mm -hmm. that did did she worry? Possibly. Mm -hmm. But she never showed worry. She never made me feel in any way rejected or unwelcomed, even though I did not, I clearly did not fit in. Um, So I'm very grateful for her. I'm very grateful for um, the woman she was and is. Um, I always um, tell our youth here and our members here that I wish that I could be more like her. She was a gentle warrior mm-hmm. and that's how i always think of her as a gentle warrior because she was always graceful always she was so classy mm. is classy i shouldn't say was she is i spoke to her yesterday i think i mentioned that mm-hmm. and 
she was always very classy with her words. She was always very, she was always the epitome is the epitome of building you up. Mm-hmm. And if I think about it, I, I want to be more like her, but at the same time, I have to remember that she would not want to hear me say that she would want me to say, she wants me to be more like Christ. Mm. And, and because she, um, put so much in my heart, she, um, made me learn scripture. She mm-hmm. would challenge me to learn scripture every week. And just to prove her wrong, sometimes I would memorize the verse on above it. If she would tell me to memorize a verse, I would not memorize the verse. I would memorize the one before it or after it, but never that one, mm-hmm. just to kind of like give her a hard time. And she would tell me, I know how your heart works. That's the verse I actually wanted you to uh. learn. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm grateful for her wisdom. Yeah. Um, I'm just grateful that the Lord surrounded me with such strong women mm-hmm. and that maybe they could see that one day I would, I would say yes to ministry mm-hmm. and that I would say hmm, yes to missions. I never would have thought mm-hmm. that I would say yes to missions ever, but God did. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for her. Oh, what an awesome, uh, you know, testament to, to a servant of God. You know, that's, Amen. that's awesome. And, and I believe, you know, just like, uh, you know, just like anybody that serves Christ, there's different talents, different gifts. And I think that's, there's different graces that, you know, each of us carry, you know, within ourselves. Some of us a little yeah. bit more softer, like you were mentioning uh, for sister and a little bit, some more, a little bit more stronger, but, um, nevertheless having that, um, that discernment to be able to, you know, teach or counsel or to lead somebody for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, definitely. Amen. Um, so since you're kind of wrapping up a little bit, uh, speaking from your own experience as a Christian, if you could encourage someone today that is listening, if they should continue or start their own relationship with Christ, uh, what would your words of, of counsel to them be? Well, I'll, I'll start with the ones that should start. Mm-hmm. Eternity is real. And yes. I think that oftentimes we we doubt that it is. And oftentimes we think, um, where where would heaven be and where is hell? And mm-hmm. um, I remember mentioning to a friend when um, somebody we knew um, passed away from a drug overdose, and she said, "You know, the good new the good thing is is that he's in heaven." And I I was not a Christian at the time, and I said, "Actually, you're wrong. He's not in heaven because you can't go to heaven if you live like that, and you can't." go to heaven if you if you live a lawless life god is a god of order you know mm-hmm. and i i'll never forget the look on her face that how dare i say he didn't mm-hmm. go to heaven and obviously i could not back it up scripturally because i didn't know scriptures mm-hmm. or um word of god but to those that are thinking of starting um i would say don't focus on the people mm. When you go somewhere, you won't always fit in. And that is the mistake that many people make, including members. If you belong to a church that has assigned seating and you are uncomfortable with a visitor sitting next to you, Mm -hmm. then you are a virus and you need to find Christ again and remember what it is to be a first time visitor. Mm -hmm. And that is the challenge that many 
places of worship have is that they don't remember or never were a first time visitor. So they don't understand the courage it takes to walk into a house of worship. Mm. And they don't understand what their story, their backstory is. Um, And it's so easy for us to say, well, you know, he or she smokes and I can't stand the smell. Well, that's fine. But you know what? If Jesus would hear, he would sit right next to them. You know, and I think that for somebody that's starting, I would say, find a house of worship and don't worry about fitting in. Mm -hmm. Um, Go with your heart, ready to serve, ready to receive. And if you don't fit in, then find another Mm -hmm. church, especially like the bigger states, you know, like California. um, I believe Arizona has a lot. Texas has a lot um, of churches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you find you keep looking until you find, find what you're looking for mm-hmm. in, a, in as far as a place of receiving. Um, I understand that not everybody's testimony will be welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I'm grateful that for example, our church, I always, t- our church is in, I hope one day you can visit brother. It's in the middle of, um, a really bad area. It's, I mean, there's, I mean, they don't hide the drug sales. Um, they don't, they don't, um, every door is double, triple locked, you know, mm-hmm. including our church doors, which is sad, but it's a fact. And anyone that walks in, we know that we, regardless of what they look like, they're going to be welcomed. They're going to be smiled at and they're going to be greeted. And that is across the board. And whether they speak the language that our members speak Mm -hmm. or don't speak the language, a smile is international. You don't have to know the language. And hospitality is international. It doesn't have to have words. Mm -hmm. And um, we've always said whoever and however they come, Mm -hmm. they have a place to sit. Um, So to that person, I say, don't look for religion. Religion fails you. Mm Look for Christ. Start looking for Christ in your heart. Yeah. Speak to him. Look for him. He can be found. Those yeah. that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be fed. Yeah. And for those that are struggling, I feel like um, whenever somebody tells me that they've never struggled, I don't want to call them a liar, but I'm like, wow, you're going to stand before God with that. You know, really, you really want to go down, break a commandment way with that one. Oh, I don't get it, but okay, fine. Um, I remember I heard um, where I used to work, they used to send us to leadership um, seminars and I don't learn the way others learn. Like some people will, you know, I always joke when I read the word of God, some people read it reverently and I, I love to read. So when I read, I climb in and I live there. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the battles. I stand, you know, so I don't, when I hear a sermon or when I hear a teaching, I don't hear it the way someone else hears it. I look, I don't know if it's the rebel in me, but I look for the little pieces where they'll speak to me. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, in a conference where the speaker said, and it wasn't a Christian conference. It was um, at a conference and it was for business um leadership because of the company I worked for, they used to make us go to these leadership conferences. And the speaker said, you know, you don't have to display your trophies or your awards. They're visible. 
people won't, you don't have to explain to them how you are where you are. But when you share with them your scars, your, mm. your things that set you back, that's where you're going to really grow because you're, you're showing them mm. the truth. And that, I, have, I was a, a baby Christian when I went to that conference. And I'll never forget that because I said, you know what? I'm going to apply that to ministry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how packed our houses of worship are. It's visible Mm -hmm. that we're in national missions and our church is one of the largest churches. It's visible. But I'm going to tell you how we got here. We had a failed Mm -hmm. first pastorate. We were rejected. But you know what? That built us to know that we they rejected Christ before they rejected us. Mm -hmm. And when we share with people, you know, they see my husband and wow, he's an amazing um, preacher. And he is. But when you hear his backstory of his childhood, his his coming up years, and you understand why he fights so hard for his soul, why he fights so hard to bring people to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you understand why I can't beat around a bush. I don't know how to sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. I, I am straightforward. If you go to where I grew up, you'll understand that. And I think until I put all the pieces together, I was able to understand why the Lord allowed all of that to happen. Because all of these pieces come together to help us to to reflect Christ to others. Mm -hmm. But to those that are struggling right now, as a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody today that's struggling. And I said, you know, I think that a lot of times we struggle because we look for likes and comments from others Mm -hmm. where you don't need affirmation from my brother or my sister. Because chances are they're going to like me today, Hosanna, and then at the end of the week, crucify her, you Mm -hmm. know. And I... I think because I grew up very close to my dad, um, you know, I was telling uh, my daughter this yesterday, when people name call you, I grew up holding the flashlight for my dad and he was not a gentleman is now that he's a grandpa, but you know, he was like, hold it, you know, and he would tell me growing up, it doesn't matter what they call you. It's what you answer to. And Mm -hmm. I think because I, I got my identity through him first that, when people talk, does it hurt? Obviously, yeah. you know, I'm flesh and blood. So I can understand why Christians get discouraged because we look for, for affirmation mm-hmm. in others and we take our eyes off of the cross. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a book and it's called Debate of Satan. And I always share that book with our new converts. Mm-hmm. It's in English and Spanish. And it talks about how when you're going to go hunting and people that go hunting don't go in like fluorescent colors and they don't go in um, colors that will look away, look up that will not look like the forest. Mm -hmm. They blend in and that's how some Christians are. They blend in, Mm -hmm. but they're hunting you. They're there as an, as a work of the enemy. Now, do I believe that God can change them? Absolutely. Our pastor used to say, never complain that a backslider is in the back row or that your son, your rebellious child is sitting in the back because the word of God will not return void. Mm. And I think that because when we look, when we want affirmation and that's what discourages us is that we expect more Mm. from people. And when you expect from people, you take God's um, blessing from your life because you want someone else to fulfill what they were not intended to fulfill. And many of our 
huge blessings have come from unbelievers. And I'll share a really quick testimony with you if you'll allow me. Sure. Um, when we first got called into ministry, we were both making very good money in California. And when we got called into ministry, we were like, okay, Lord, well, you shut down the financial aspect real quick, you know? And I remember I was heavily pregnant with my daughter and we, I went to go downstairs to get something to eat and our refrigerator was empty. And I was like, okay. I opened the freezer and there was not even ice brother. Mm -hmm. Our pantry was bare. And I remember I just stood there in disbelief, I could have called my mom and my mom in a heartbeat mm. would have come over with grocery. But the Lord told me, don't do anything. And again, I was angry at God at the same time, mm. even though I didn't realize it and I didn't verbalize it. And what made me angrier was that I looked over. My husband had been um, aggressively looking for employment and he was even washing cars at night just to bring in some mm. income and he couldn't find a job. And I remember when I opened the fridge and I shut it, I opened the pantry, I shut it. I looked in the living room and, and he was praying. And I'll never forget the anger I felt toward him in that moment. Because mm. I was like, how dare you sit there and pray when we have like real needs, yeah. you know. And I'm saying this again to the person that is struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we expect somebody to, you know, we expect the pastor or the, you know, the ladies director or the men's director or whatever your ministry is, you expect them to know and fill your needs. And I remember I just went upstairs and I lay down and I cried myself to sleep. I can honestly tell you that is the one and only time I have ever cried myself to sleep. I always tell my husband, I'm allowed five emotional minutes and then I got to go back to being hard. You know, I joke with him about it. Yeah. So he laughs because he knows the truth. I'm a big old softy but um i remember that is the one and only time i ever cried myself to sleep mm-hmm. and then i uh, when i woke up i went i was going to go down well i did go downstairs and right when i opened the bedroom door all over the kitchen table it was right below the stairs it was covered in groceries and then i started walking down the stairs and then right when i got hit the corner of the stair the kitchen the counters were full the floor wow. overflowing and I, I came downstairs and my husband was standing in the kitchen laughing. And I said, who did this? And immediately I'm thinking like sister, so-and-so brother, so-and-so mm. surely some God spoke to a member, you know, mm. that we went to a very large church where there was hundreds of people. Mm. And he, when he told me who it was, I immediately ran up the stairs and I called, I called him. He's a family friend who's an atheist. He is an atheist and he is a gay man. So I called him and I'm trying hard not to say his name. <laughs> so I, I called him and I said, what did you do? Yeah. And then he goes, Oh my God, Teresa. He goes, last night I called, you know, his sister, his sister's a really good friend of mine. He goes, I called her and I told her I get paid tomorrow. He goes, and I'm just going to take gas money and my entire check, and he worked for he works for a very large corporation. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm gonna just get gas money and we're going to Costco and we're going to every grocery store that you think we need to hit. We're gonna stock Teresa's um, mm-hmm. kitchen. And then she goes, Okay. He says that she said that. So then they did that. And I said, Oh my gosh, I said, Do you know 
that we belong to a church where we have over 1,500 members and the Lord told you to do it. And you obeyed him. He's like, nope, nope. <laughs> not hearing this. He goes, I don't want to hear about your God. And then I said, you know what? You don't believe in him, but he believes in you. Mm. And it it touched my heart because I knew that God had told a member. I knew that God had told something because God would not have allowed us to come to a bare minimum mm. had he not told someone else that maybe thought it was, oh, that's embarrassing. Or mm. are you sure that's you, God? And that's why we get discouraged because we expect people to know our needs mm. and he will use anyone, anywhere, anytime. And the fact that he couldn't sleep the night before tells me that it was a hundred percent God, mm. that God told him, you are going to do something for my honor and glory, even though you don't believe in me, yeah. I'm speaking to you and you're hearing. And not only are you hearing, you're going to obey Wow. And that's just a small, small, small testimony of how the Lord has always proven himself strong. And without, when we were in our st- strong, um, excuse me, struggling the most yeah. time, um, the Lord used an unbeliever yeah. to remind us that we are his. And if you're struggling to serve God, it's completely understandable. We all go yeah. through seasons, all of us. And if anybody tells you they don't and never have, then one, they're not a seasoned member mm. or a Christian, or two, they're a liar and don't talk to them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I'm in awe. I'm just at a loss of words. That 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 is so amazing. Praise God. Amen. Oh, wow. That that's 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 so awesome. Uh, well, sister uh, Teresa, thank you so much for everything Amen. that you've shared so far. And one last thing I want to make sure before we yeah. um, we uh, end this though is how can um, can you tell us or share with us? You know, how can people get a hold of either? I don't know if you guys are streaming or on online right now, or uh, how can people get a hold of your services or your ministry at this time? So our church does have a YouTube channel. Okay. And I'd be lying if I could quote it. I want to say it's New Beginnings Church, and it has um, our logo on it. Okay. And if not, you can reach me or my husband on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, and okay. we will connect you with our YouTube channel. Okay. So they can just search. Uh, they, for right now, just search the um, the New Beginnings Church, maybe, and hopefully they can find it yeah. on there for sure. Amen. Or, or connect with you. All right, Sister Teresa. Thank you so much for, you know, your availability, for your candidness, you know, being open. I really appreciate it. And again, it's just, I pray that whoever hears these words, you know, God is Mm going to be able to touch them and, you know, uh, bless their lives and and know that God is good. You know, God is good for sure. Well, again, thank you so much. Please give greetings to Pastor Ortega for me on behalf of my family and prayer for your family too and your ministry. Amen. All right. God bless you, sister. Thank you for your time, brother. God bless you. My pleasure. Well, as we conclude uh, our podcast for today, I would like to thank you, the listener, for listening and in, and I pray that there has been a seed of faith planted in your heart and in your mind. 
that this seed will grow and produce fruit in your life. If you would like to hear previous podcasts or learn more about it, you can go to the podcast SoundCloud page at www.soundcloud.com forward slash podcast. And there you would find the links to all of our social media platforms. And also, if you are interested in supporting the podcast by giving, there will be links available there to direct you to our Patreon page where you can become a sponsoring member or to be a one-time giver uh, at our PayPal page. If you would like to reach out to us, please email us at ihatpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Lord willing, God bless and thank you.